Um, and let me just read them, a few of them anyway. More than 2,300 Bible verses on money, wealth, and possessions. Jesus spoke about money roughly 15% of his preaching. 11 out of 40 parables had something to do with money and possessions and the way in which we handle them. It was his most talked about topic. One out of every seven verses in those parables mentions money. And in the Gospels, an amazing one out of 10 verses, 288 in all, deal directly with the subject of money. And the Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. Now, I, I acknowledge that in some circumstances, Jesus is using money as a metaphor to teach like bigger theological teachings and principles and doctrines. However, I really am staggered by how much attention that he gave to the idea of what we do with money, wealth and possessions, as did the Apostle Paul, as did other New Testament and Old Testament writers. And so we have to really take it seriously. And, you know, what Jesus was talking about um, when he spent the time he did challenging people about their attitudes, their mindsets, their heart, when it related to the issues of money, wealth and possession. What was his heart in all that? And you know what? My heart is to hear his heart so I can have his heart. Um, so I want us to just listen for a moment because the best way to hear what Jesus says is to listen to what Jesus said. So I want to read a couple of verses and Honestly, there's so many verses, uh, I, I only just grabbed a few, but let me just read them to you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus said this, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. In Matthew 6, 24, he said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You, can, you cannot serve God and money. In Luke chapter 12, verse 33 to 34, he said this, sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, and he said to them, take care and be on, on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. In Luke chapter 21, verse 1 to 4, he said, Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting in their gifts in the offering box, box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said this, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. And finally, in Matthew 19, verse 21, Jesus said, as he's talking to the rich young ruler, if you would be perfect, go and sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. You know, this is just a tiny sample of some of the ways that Jesus approached this issue uh, with different audiences in different settings and for different purposes. But clearly, there are some themes that we hear when we read Jesus' words on money. And as we, as we do when we look at the New Testament teaching on money and possessions, actually, as we look at, as we see in the whole Bible. And so what are some of those teachings? I'm going to, three summary kingdom teachings that emerge out of this understanding of what Jesus was talking about when he's talking about wealth, money, and possessions. The first thing is that there is a spiritual power behind money 
because of what it promises. What it promises. The world tells us that our money and possession can give us things. They can allow us to have things. There is a spiritual dimension to this that we need to recognize. What are some of those things? Power and control. When you have significant financial wealth, you have a lot of money, a lot of power, and a lot of control over your life. Power and control are huge allurements in this world. Because you know what? We like to control things. We like to have power rather than people exercising power over us. The spiritual dimension of money promises that to us. The other thing it promises is security. If you have got enough money, you can be secure. Remember Jesus' when he spoke in the parable of the rich fool in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 to 21. He's talking about a man who that had to tear down his barns to build bigger ones to have room enough to store everything he had, enough for years to come. With all his barns full, he decided to take it easy, eating, drinking, and be happy. And Luke 12, 2021 says this, But God said to it, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you have worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. Even though he seemed to have everything, he seemed to have it all, he really had nothing. And fourthly, it promises happiness and contentment, which is certainly prevalent that money can buy you today, that money can buy you happiness and contentment. If you have enough money, you can go on holiday. You can do the things you want to, live where you want to live, call your own shots in this world that we live in. Power, control, security, happiness and contentment. These are spiritual temptations that are underneath the wrong use of money and are a lot of what Jesus talked about. The other thing we see is that money is dangerous when it asks for our allegiance. There can be an idolatry behind money that calls to us if we are not careful with how we take care of it and how we use it. There's a lure, and Jesus saw it. There's a lure of money. There can be a lure of money. And Jesus saw it, and he knew it, and the Apostle Paul saw it, and the Apostle Paul knew it. And they both said to be careful and watch for this dimension of money that asks us now for our allegiance. This comes into our life in the following ways. How does it come into our life, this lure of money, this asking for our allegiance? First of all, it can become the focus of our time. We can focus our time on it. We can become fixated on looking at money, our budgets, interest rates, stock market, and worry about what's happening. We can be consumed with the financial parts of our life beyond what it truly means to be a good steward. The other thing it can be is it can be the driver of our career. It can also be that, you know, we can be driven to pour out so much time and effort into our jobs and our business, but at what cost? And finally, the lure of money, it can become the source of our peace and our fear. It's dangerous when it becomes the source of either our peace or our fear. It can do both. When we've got enough of it, our heart can be at peace. I've got enough money put away. I'm secure. I'm in good shape. My heart is at peace because of my money. Or if I don't and interest rates go up, the market goes down, I lose my job, or all kinds of things happen, it can become the source of our fear. And when money becomes the primary source 
of either our peace or our fear. It's God in our allegiance. It's God in our loyalty. And that's what Jesus was talking about. That's what Paul talks about when he says, be careful how we relate to money and possessions. And thirdly, I'd like to say, is that the enemy uses money to lure us toward an ownership heart. The Bible says that God owns everything. It's God's money. It's his wealth, his position, the earth, all of it. It's all his. But you know what? It can easily become, in our heart, ours. But the enemy can begin to pull us into an ownership heart where all of a sudden we act around money and possession if it's really ours. It's so easy to slip into this mindset and this heart and this attitude. And then we begin to, and it's easy to justify our own ownership heart and attitude. We start saying things like, I worked for it. I worked hard for it. I saved up for it. I watch it. I invest it. I take care of it. It's really mine to do with it what I want. That ownership tendency is the enemy's way to lead us down a very difficult path. And then it takes us back to number one, takes us back to that there's a spiritual power behind money. And Jesus wants us to see this. Jesus wants us to be aware of it. And he wants us to be careful when we're dealing with money. How many know money's not evil? The love of money's evil. Money, money, money's not evil. It's neutral. But what we do with that and our hard attitude to it is what we're talking about. When, when, when either money gives us peace or, or, you know, we're at peace because of money or we're, or we're fearing because of money. Mate, that's not what we're talking about here. Our trust and our faith is in Jesus. He's everything that we need. The enemy uses these things to pull us into places that we do not really want to go. So three Sunday summary kingdom teachers. There's, there's a spiritual power behind money because of what it promises it can promise power, control, security, happiness, and contentment. Money is dangerous when it asks for our allegiance. We can become the focus of our time, the driver of our career, and it become the source of both our peace and our fear. And the enemy uses money to lure us toward an ownership heart where it easily becomes ours and we be- begin to justify our ownership heart. But I want to take us quickly back to the beginning to creation, to Genesis chapter 1 and 2, when we see that God created the heavens and the earth and God plants a garden in Eden and he puts into that garden Adam and Eve. And in Eden, we see everything belonged to God. He created it, he made it, and he owns it. Psalm 24, 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And our role is as stewards, And this is God's design for the proper use of money, possessions, wealth. We were made to manage what God owns, what he created. Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 says, The Lord God took the man, put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. In Eden we get this, and I get this sense of that everything that God gives us, including wealth and possessions and resources, that it's all good. It's all good. What God created was good. It's awesome. It's wonderful. And it's there to be used as God would have us use it. And you know what? We finally, we see in Eden that they had abundance. There was enough. There was no need. They had more than enough. 
They trusted that God will provide all their needs. Their work was joyful as it was done unto him. They was, there was freedom. They weren't, they weren't heavily burdened down and, 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 and heavy with things because it was all God's. Because the challenge comes when we get to Genesis chapter 3, when we look at the fall. And in Genesis chapter 3, the enemy comes along and he simply says this, did God really say? Can you trust God? Is he really going to provide? God's not telling you the whole thing. And our desire to be like God, then we get this, become this, there's this desire to become like God, to be in control. Because if you really do take of this tree, you'll be like God. You'll be able to know right from wrong. You'll be able to call the shots. Instead of any, everything under his lordship, you get a chance to control your life. And we see then the role becomes ownership. And ownership, we become owners, is the enemy's counterfeit view of money. Our role changes from stewards of what is God's to owners of what we believe is actually ours. And this is where the enemy interjects his um, counterfeit view of money, possessions and wealth, where they're no longer where the, everything that we've received from the Lord is no longer a blessing from God to be used by faithful stewards seeking to be obedient to his purposes, but it becomes, I earned it, I have it, it's under my control, and I will do with it as I feel best. And you know what? I see after, from Genesis 3, I see where there once was this abundance Once there was this trust and there was this joyful work and there's this freedom in Eden, now we see there's scarcity. If I own and control it, all of a sudden, I don't have enough. I need more. And this brings fear. And then then our work becomes anxiety-driven because I have to earn enough to pay bills, to give, to save for retirement, all those things. And in the end, it becomes bondage and not freedom. He's come to give us freedom. This is where the enemy wants us. And we have to fight against us. And we have to fight against it, sorry, and then come against it. We are called to steward and manage God's resources and what he's given and trusted us for his purposes. Does the way we are going about doing things reflect more a sense of protecting our kingdom than it does managing God's provision for his kingdom. Let me say that again because that's a real an examining of our own hearts and I know God's been really speaking. Does the way we are doing, go about doing things reflect more a sense of protecting our own kingdom than it does managing God's provision for his kingdom? For his kingdom. I know I've asked, been asking myself, I know many years ago, I remember Pastor Jack asked me to come on staff here. I remember I was... Sonia, we were married, two young kids, mortgage, all those sort of things. And, uh, and, and God was asking me to leave all that and, and, a, and a career path in the corporate world and leaving money and come to serve here. And I remember me and Sonia, we didn't even have to pray about it. We just knew that, that we did pray about, it, by the way. But um, we just left all that and gave it all up and come to serve in what God had called us to do, put on our heart. And I asked myself today, would I be willing to give all that up? today, now. I'm asking God to examine 
my heart and he's really been speaking to me. You know what? We're all on a journey. We're all on a discipleship journey, becoming more deeply committed followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Where am I personally on this journey? And as we look at this journey, you know what? We're on a journey from scarcity to abundance, where our focus needs to be on God's sovereignty. What is it that's shaping our worldview? We're on a journey from fear to trust, where our focus needs to be on God's provision. And the question here is, how big is our God? We're on this journey from often anxiety-driven work to faithfulness-driven work, to being faithful. And our focus here is on his provision and his priorities in our life. And finally, we're on a journey from bondage to freedom where our focus needs to be on surrender. And the question is, who sits on our throne? God wants us to manage money from the standpoint of holy surrendered steward whose primary goal is faithfulness. Stewarding what is God's with a heart of faithfulness. And then when we do that, that is freedom. When we realize it's all about God and we are being faithful and obedient, where am I personally on this journey? And I want to finish up now with a couple of questions. Questions that we need to ask ourselves. How do we handle our finances? Are we an owner or are we a steward? Do we have an ownership mindset or a stewardship mindset? Is our attitude, an ad, is it an attitude, it's my money? Or is it an ownership attitude? When we operate out of fear, it is an ownership mindset. Everything is God's. Second question, do we live out of scarcity or abundance? Do we believe there is just enough? Do we believe there is just not enough? Are we stuck in that place where it's always about what we don't have? We believe God will provide for all of our needs. So what God has provided is enough for what God has called us to do. Are we being a good steward with what he has given us? Next question, self-reliance or trust? Do we believe it's all up to me or do we live with a sense of trust that God will provide? Four, careful planning or faith walking. And this is a real challenge, but it's a good tension. We need to hear both sides. We need to wrestle with both sides because both are right. We need to be good stewards. We need to careful budgeting and planning enough. We need to count the costs. But we're also people of faith. And faith's what pleases God, that, that we trust God. We need to make good decisions from the context of that tension in our lives. And finally, is the source of our security, what's the source of our security or careful stewarding? Is money the source of our security or are we just practicing careful stewardship? We just need to be careful. You know, Joseph was an example of good stewardship who stored away grain for the famine that was to come. However, we can make our reserves become the source of our security instead of God. Where's our heart? Is it with the king? Is our heart the heart of Jesus? His words? I want us to bow our heads, Father.
thank you for your word. And I know there's a lot there and a lot of challenge into our hearts, Father. And I know we're in a, you know, a, a season that we're in, Father. But Lord, I pray we wouldn't get lured away by the enemy into the way the world wants to operate, Father. But Father, we would lean on you, King Jesus, that we'd surrender everything to you, that you're our Lord, you're our King, you're everything we need, that our trust and our faith and our hope is totally in you. And I pray, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, you'd help us, Father, to be good stewards. You help us to be men and women of faith and believe. But, Father, that we would be great stewards, Father, and that we would have the right heart and attitude that Jesus and, and the Bible teaches us to have, Father, kingdom way, the kingdom way of finance, Father, I pray that you'd enable us, each one of us, Father, to have that heart and that attitude and that you'd move mightily and powerfully through us as we live that out, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.